pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider scriptural wisdom and encouragement on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Sam Taylor, and I'm here to get you thinking about the Word of God. Now, what do you think the biggest word in the world is? Is it supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Is it the name of a long compound that you read on the back of a shampoo bottle? Well, if you listen to this story that I'm going to tell you, you'll see what I think my answer is, and I promise you it's not what you're expecting at all. Philip II of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great, went to each Grecian city-state to sway them to join his army. Everything worked well for Philip until he went to the region of Laconia. Now, Laconia was the region of Greece that contained the city-state of Sparta. While Sparta in this story wasn't nearly the powerhouse from their glory days, the Spartans contained great cultural pride nonetheless. And because of this pride, their first response to Philip's message was defiant, and it angered Philip so much that his second message to them was a flagrant threat to their existence. And that message read, You are advised to submit without further delay, for if I bring my army into your land, I will destroy your farms, slay your people, and raise your city. The Spartans' leader's reply was but a single word. If. The Spartans' reply was a terse reminder that Philip's threats hinged on his success. Yet he never considered that if implies more than one outcome. That word caused Philip to realize he was wasting his time, and neither he nor Alexander the Great ever went to Sparta for help again. If, to me, is the biggest word in the world. But you might be asking yourself, how can a word only two letters long ever be the biggest word? It's because if is the beginning of a conditional clause that places the responsibility of the outcome on the subject of the sentence. How often do we make important life decisions on what-ifs or express regret by saying, if only? A lot of our choices in life hinge so greatly on a simple word. In a lot of ways, if is a great divide between reality and fiction. And we sit on top of that barrier, looking through a fog at what each side offers. Yet it only becomes truly clear once we've made our decision to commit to an action and choose a side to jump into. Yet it only becomes clear once we've made a decision to commit an action and we jump onto one side or the other. In the ESV translation of the Bible, if appears 1,678 times. Of those 1,678 times, mankind is the subject of nearly all the clauses. In the select cases where God is the focus of those clauses, it's either meant to be rhetorical or to continually place God's actions on the choice people make. In other words, if doesn't apply to God because 
God is faithful, and he will do what he's promised. The responsibility for ensuring those conditional promises from God take place rests entirely on an individual to choose for themselves. If I do this, this will happen. If I do not do this, the other thing will happen. And let's look at some passages to see how if impacts these verses. Exodus 19 verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. In this clause, God is giving a message to Moses to present to the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai. The subject of this clause is the Israelites, including Moses. The conditions are obeying God's voice and keeping God's covenant. The reward is being God's treasured possession above everyone else in the world. It's a wonderful promise, but the word if makes that promise conditional. Therefore, the inverse of God's statement must also be true. And here's how that would sound. Now, therefore, if you disobey my voice and neglect my covenant, you shall not be my treasured possession among all peoples. By using one little word, God demonstrates that on one side of the choice we can make lies blessing, and on the other side lies disaster and calamity. It's all hinged on if. It's a reminder of the consequences as to whether you listen to God and keep his commandments or not. Another notable usage of if appears in John 14, verse 23, and that reads as follows. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come down to him and make our home with him. In this clause, the subject is Jesus' disciples. The actions involved are loving him and keeping his word. The reward for this behavior is God loving them, both God and Jesus coming to them, and abiding with them. They're wonderful rewards. But again, this outcome isn't based on God's willingness, but rather our faithfulness and our obedience in heeding the call. So what does the inverse look like? If anyone doesn't love me, they won't keep my word. Therefore, my father won't love them, and we won't come to him or make our home with them. And our decision as to whether God dwells in us, it again, it hinges entirely on our decision to love Jesus and obey his commandments. The last passage comes from Romans 6 verse 5, a chapter well known for Paul's exposition on the need for a fully immersed baptism with an understanding of what God requires of us. And here's how that goes. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. The subject of the clause is both Paul and all believers. The action required is sharing in Christ's death 
through baptism. The reward is being resurrected like Christ and living eternally like Christ. In one sentence, Paul demonstrates how vital the connection between baptism and eternal life truly is. But of course, we need to see the consequences of not heeding this request. Besides the three passages I've brought up for you, there are 1,675 more passages that prove if is the biggest word in the world. And in just these few three, we get to see how critical showing obedience to God impacts our relationship with God. But the choice is entirely ours to make. And we know that if we obey, God will reward us. To conclude, I'd like to share the last stanza of my favorite hymn in the Green Christadelphian Hymn Book, Hymn 405. We know the end, we know the way, and some with life he will endow. Shall we be with him in that day? We make the answer now. I appreciate you joining me here today on Pause to Consider. If you like this devotion, share it with your friends, family, and loved ones. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast either on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. If you have feedback, I'm hoping you'll reach out to me. You can contact me on the Facebook and Instagram pages for Pause to Consider, or you can email me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com. And above everything else I just said, I hope this has been helpful for you on your walk. And I pray that God blesses you until we meet again, whether on next week's devotion or in God's kingdom. God bless.